Uh, I would say you know we're probably at a pivoting point for the next five or seven years of major shift in terms of how. Hi, you're listening to season two of Love Life Millennials. Have a listen and enjoy. All right. So last week we've been discussing at great length about technology and its impact to education. I spoke with uh, Miss Ching uh, and wanted to know more about what kind of job will be replaced in the future. And so now I, this week, I would like to get more info about the actual tech industry itself. Like last time, we've been talking from an external point of view. Me and Miss Ching were not really on the ground in terms of. The, the tech world, and so I've brought you today someone who has actually been in the industry for at least a decade, and I just met him recently. I was very impressed on his know-how and his insights on tech, which we will be diving really, really soon. So before we do that, let's give yourself an introduction. Hi, Anthony. It's good to have you here. Good seeing you, Adrian. How are you? Oh, Andreas, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. So, can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now to the listeners? Sure. Um, so, I manage a uh, a team of strategists um, at Google, and basically, my team advise of uh, small medium business um, in China to go uh, abroad. So, export abroad. And part of that, you know, um, across various different industry that they sell in. So, they basically, my team, you know, figure out where they should sell the market overseas. How they should sell the market overseas, and what is the best way to sell to consumers? Basing that from data point of view, or yeah, so we base it from a few angles. So we look at it from a uh, internal Google data point of view. We also look at external third party data, and um, you know my team are are usually seasonal experienced people. So you know when they go out do discovery call with client, they generally see. Exactly, what's the customer's pain points, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know look at internal Google capability, external uh, partner capability, and figure out what's the best way to bring the client's product to the markets. And how do we do that? Like, what do we do with the data? It's in order for you to be able to give mm-hmm. recommendations to the so-called companies who wish to extend their business to overseas. So first, we see what product they're selling, mm-hmm. and then we do a lot of benchmarking against competitions, against our industry norm. And then we look at you know from when they sell to consumer, who do they sell to today, right? So especially what are the market they're selling to, and what are the market that are growing. So for the market that they're selling to today, sometimes you know we ask them to uh, pivot away from those market. You know it could be that that's not the right market for them, or it could be that it is the right market for them, but either from an operational point of view, from a marketing point of view, or even you know from using Google product point of view. They're not doing it correctly. Then you know we you know we basically figure out what are the dimension that they need to improve on or to pivot from, and we basically advise them how to do it. Based on the keywords that you find on Google, uh, it's not just keywords. You know, based on their campaign performance, based on internal signal, external signal on how they perform against competition, against industries. You know, based on if they're let's say if they're selling to the U.S. market and the U.S. market is actually not is doing really well, but they're not doing really well. Then we, you know, we have to dive deeper into exactly what is impacting the client's performance. Sometimes it could be that they're not selling the right products. Sometimes it could be that their message to consumer is off, or sometimes it could be that the experience that they gave to consumer is off. So you know, we have to kind of dive deeper into it to figure out what's the best way to you know, triage them. 
Wow. And you know, not every customer is the same. Of course. Uh, so that's gonna make one of the things this job uh, more interesting. Right. And has this always been something that you do from the very start, or no? Uh, I joined the the tech industry by mistake. So All before right. uh, before tech industry, um, I was with PepsiCo. I did a uh, post on M and A on integrations, and then when I came to China, it was more for vacations. But you know, somehow I found that China was actually cheaper to live than in the U.S. <laughs> okay. Um, so I decided to uh, you know to take my manager's advice at the time, left my job, got the employment uh, benefit, and then while lived you know cheaply in China while preparing for my uh, full-time MBA. And then so while I was in China, um, I started up a uh, machine learning education firm with my um, partners. And then we, you know, we went through a year and a half of product development. It was somewhat successful. We ended up selling the complaints. Oh, nice. And then um, that was when Amazon came calling me. And I remember at that time I didn't even know who Amazon was. And so this <laughs> right. is like 2011. So I was uh-huh. like, you know, um, googling, you know, who Amazon was, and you know, Amazon was really how I kind of got into the uh, technology world, online e-commerce space, and then you know. Um, I wore a very different hat at um, Amazon from retail to product development to uh, to market expansions. And then uh, from Amazon, I went to PayPal, midst of products and uh, strategic projects. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, did my full-time MBA. And when Google came calling, you know, I thought this was a chance for me to learn about the very different business in China, but also internationally. Able to know the, uh, the best mindset in the, in the industry and really learn from them and also kind of build on top of you know, what they do. I thought it was a good learning opportunity, but it's also a uh, good place for me. Of course, so. wow. But you know, you said this was sometime around 2010 and 11. Mm-hmm. And at that time, you already had the outlook to learn you know, machine learning at that point? So and 2011, um, yeah, so 2011 machine learning, it hasn't really existed. Term hasn't really yeah, it's like existed. a dream at that time. Um, <laughs> So what we build is basically uh, predictability models, right? So coordination between a bunch of different factors. And that's basically what machine learning is today. How we got started, so my, my classmates, um, he was actually in the education field. So he yeah. was you know, uh, tutoring all that stuff. And then we found that a lot of parents were asking questions of, you know, if my son did X, can my son go to uh, so-and-so school? Or, you know, if my son, you know, do this activity, can they, you know, improve the chance of being successful? Yeah. So we thought, huh. Maybe there is something, you know, um, some way we can answer all of that questions, right? So then that was kind of where you start, you know, looking at maybe this is something we can actually build a model around to answer those some basic questions. And soon, you know, soon enough, we actually got enough of the, the data, then we started doing coordination work. And then that kind of, you know, got us uh, started the first model. And then you basically use that first model to build a um, the mobile apps. And then the parent can actually start playing around with it. So that's kind of how we got started. Uh, and then you know, over time with the user base and with the partner of basically like school that we bring in, we got more and more data. And then now, and then we were able to kind of improve on our models. And then our client at the time, they're all basically like um, like educational firm. And they basically use this as a way of, as a way of upselling the parents, but also as a way of kind of showing the potential uh, trajectory of their kid. Yeah, yeah. So, so tech guys really are dreamers, huh? <laughs> That's, yeah. that's what I heard. <laughs> uh, you guys yeah. dream and try to make it happen with technology. Yeah. It's well, we, cool. didn't, we didn't really, uh, it was a lot cheaper back then, so we were playing around. Okay. Somehow it, somehow it works, but <laughs> we, I mean, we also have a bunch of other startups and it All failed. Right. 
So you progress slowly but surely from PayPal, Amazon, and now Google. Do you see any difference in any of these companies, or more or less you're doing the same thing? No, I would say I do things different. You know, I truly am believer of like everything is a stepping stone, and everything is well well connected. So when I was at Amazon, you know, I started my career uh, doing product developments, um, you know, managing software team, and then that translate into project management for um, you know starting up uh, Amazon India, and you know part of that part of that role built on top of the uh, product knowledge I have from my first role, and then my last role I transitioned into building advertising products for um, Amazon. So that you know also take into you know the project management skill that I learned during India project, but also product development work in China. So it kind of built on top of that. And when I went to PayPal, you know PayPal was at a um, I would say similar situation as most uh, multinational, where they don't really have license in China, but they're not illegal either. So they're always kind of stuck in this gray area. And then so my role it was around navigating that fine line of you know not be, you know not being illegal but also knowing what the government policy is and then building the product in the right way to enable Chinese um, seller to sell overseas and that you know that built on top of the skills that I have from uh, Amazon and if I look at my job today it is because I have you know so wide diverse experience across different fields when I talk to very different C level or even internal people, you know, I'm able to put myself in their shoes. You know, whether that's from product side of it, or from you know sales side of it, or uh, from a marketing side of it, I'm able to put myself in their shoes and figure out how the different pieces connect together. Um, and that's something that's very useful, especially when you talk to clients, especially Chinese clients where they're they have very short mindset, right? So you kind of have to help them get to the point right away, mm-hmm. so that they can understand the big pictures. So it is, you know, a skill set that built on top of each other's. Okay. Wow. Okay. Last time when we met, you were talking about data triangulation, where you said with enough data, most companies like Google can build, as what you also mentioned earlier, predictability models for us humans. Can you explain a little bit how that works? Yeah. So I mean, I would say, uh, especially the one where you said about the roads. You know, whether you will go right, turn left or turn oh, right. Oh yeah. So yeah. So. Cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this is uh, I mean, so this is so a friend of mine. He actually has a uh, a VR company, a digital trend. So he basically built um, live model of what this you know the city is sure. today, right? Yeah. And if you know, if you look at the amount of data that we have today, right? So rather you know that's actually from public domain or private domain. There's actually uh, enough enough data out there today that we actually predict what people will do. Most people, their habit doesn't really change. It's very rarely that people actually change their habit, right? So if you know someone, you know seven out of ten time or you know, nine out of ten time will always you know turn left or right, then you basically can actually build this into the VR model in such a way that uh, you know if Andrea is like walking down the street, is he gonna make a left? You know, go straight to the McDonald's, or you know, make a right and go to the subway, right? Yeah. And based on you know um, what I've your, done in the past, what you have done in the past, or you know, your maybe you know your social media data say you have this event that you have to go to, you can kind of predict that, right? And people always does deviate, right? You know, I don't think any model is perfect, uh, but you know, anytime when you deviate from the model, this is a chance for the model to learn more about it. So you can actually say, okay, what are those X other factor that weren't really considered into the model, so that we can actually figure what 
figure that out and then you know make those corrections. I think we you know I think we're pretty much there today already. But I think a lot of companies today they are being very socially responsible to not kind of tip into sensitive area or those very uh, controversial area. But you know definitely you know we we have the data we have the technology to do that today. But it's interesting for me when you said that people don't change. It's just the data that predicts their usual habit. But you know, in the recent movie, you know, Social Dilemma that we can Netflix, it seems like some people or some entities can leverage from these models to induce you to into doing certain action. Um, are you saying that this but, action is probably you, what they do? Or no, but you, I mean, you, you have that today, right? So if you look at the U- US election campaign, right? Yeah. Um, all of the social media um, advertising that, you know, that was either done by, you know, the uh, Biden team or, you know, Trump's, right? It is all designed to stray people towards one area or the other, yeah. right? And all of that is actually based on the demographic profile of um, those audience figure out what is that one or two thing that's very um, relevant to them and then you build a very targeted marketing campaign or um, targeting specific those audits. So that's actually happening already. So the US, you know, US election is probably the best place to see how social media data or how data can influence a, a person's point, point of view. Where I mentioned people's habit doesn't change, you know, it is, I think, you know, by the time, you know, people get to age of 10 or 12, and it's scientifically proven, most of the habit is already uh, formed. Hmm. And it really have to take a really dramatic event for the habit to kind of shift, right? So what the data today tell us is that, what are the habit of those people? Hmm. And then based on those habits, you can predict, you know, what they will do in the similar situations. Okay. Certainly this is useful for, let's say, a more targeted campaign, but from an individual point of view, do you at least feel disturbed when you know that you are being analyzed by some machine out there? <laughs> uh, uh, I don't. I think, you know, advancement in technology, you know, regardless, you know, what technology it is, is always going to be controversial. And I don't think anyone or you know or any government can actually stop the progression of uh, technology, right? Because you know that's kind of part of the uh, you know the human evolution or the evolution of our, our society today, right? Sure. Um, but how we use those technology, you know, what are the, the right gating around it? You know, what is the right regulation around it? That is actually important. Yeah. So instead of focus on whether or not the technology will be here today or tomorrow we should focus around what is the right way to use the technology. Mm. And, you know, there's always going to be blips. Oh shit, something happens, right? Then the question is, when that something happens, how do we mitigate it? And how do we, you know, make sure that there is a safeguard in place so we can actually move on? Yeah. So do you think right now the current infrastructure is already sufficient or is there any... No. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I... Tell me about it. This is my personal view. You know, I don't think existing uh, safeguard around you know, data privacy or around how data mm. are being used is sufficient. You know, I would say today, um, everywhere anybody goes today, uh, you know, even any device you use or any apps you use, uh, all of the data are actually being connected today, right? Yeah. If you read the fine prints of, you know, those like user agreement that you have to click on whenever you install apps on your phone, you know, you will see that there's some point like, very deep insight about like data connection, right? We're at a point where there's all data, 
the soil with to use the data. Um, you know, we don't have a very robust system around gating. You know, what should be used, what should not be used. But I do think the technology, something that we have today, right? From you know, from Amazon to Facebook to Google, they are being very sensitive about how data are being used, and they they do move very slowly in this front. You know, I, I do think if they want to monetize the data, they could really monetize the data. Um, but they are very picky about the consumer protection at the moment. Part of the reason is because the consumer are what drives their business. Yeah. So if you look at Amazon, right, you know, like if they decide to go crazy on some data stuff and it become a potential controversial point, it would, you know, it could potentially impact how their e-commerce business is, right? Mm -hmm. You know, with Facebook, it's about like, you know, all that social media, right? So consumer is still the core of the business of all the tech firm. So that, I think that's one of the reasons why they move a bit slow and they're being very uh, sensitive about these topics. Yeah, I mean, from my observation right now, it's quite inevitable. Like we know how quite invasive this kind of data collection has been, but at the same time, we are so willing to trade our data for convenience, right? Mm -hmm. Especially we uh, we are living in China where everything I think is exposed. Like even last summer, I went into okay. I went to holiday and then with just a scan and then they can give all those archives with my passport and yeah. all of my travel history, travel logs. That's quite scary at the same time, even though it's yeah. obviously technologically advanced. <laughs> yeah, I mean it comes to how technology is used in the right way, right? So if you take the current COVID as a example, right? Yeah. So in China. Um, when there is a COVID case, um, the government used a lot of the data trying to figure out who are the people that you come into contact with, right? What are the different places that you've been to so that they can actually set up a fast quarantine around, you know, uh, those people or those areas, right? Yeah. So that has been working out really well. Mm. Um, you know, if you look at the day-to-day -to -day life today, mm -hmm. all the data that's been connected are what power the user experience of those applications, right? Mm. So. All the data that's been connected today or what powers the user experience of those applications. And that's actually important for people to, to understand, right? Yeah. It's a, like you say, it's a trade-off, right? Do you want the convenience, you know, the experience that you, that you have today? <laughs> or, yeah. you know, do you want really crappy experience, right? Yeah, yeah. So most people, I think people are usually uh, short-sighted. They will say they want the experience of today, but, but, but they also want. <laughs> so it's it, you know it doesn't really work that way, right? Yeah. And I would say instead of trying to be concerned about it, it's a very muted point because you know we're kind of there already. It's already passed, right? Uh -huh. I think it's more around like you know how can people use the data uh, in a safe way, and then uh, if there is something happen, how can you protect yourself? So to give to give you a very personal um, case, a year ago. I actually find out my um, identity in the US was stolen. Really? So someone with, you know, with a very different name was using my U US so uh, social security number. But you know, so I've been living overseas since 2009. You know, so of course, you know, I didn't really find out about it or I didn't really monitor it until you know, like one, one day I received this letter in the mail, debt connector, trying to uh, connect debt. And you know, it was a small amount, like you know, the guy opened up my son's Sprint uh, cell phone account then pay for like five or six months, so like four or five hundred dollars, right? So, but I was like, wait, like, I never have a Sprint account, right? I, have, I haven't even lived in the US since like 2009. Yeah. So, you know, then this is when I started doing digging, da 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 da. And then, um, and when I went down to, this, to the station in New York, 
they told me, look, like, you know, everyone's information is out there. There's not much they can do about it. Unless, you know, you can find out who really actually stole your identity, there's nothing you can do about it. But what you could do is, you know, here are you know, a, a list of five or six different things of how you can protect yourself from, you know, how your data is misused or how the data can come and impact you, right? So in case, in my case, it's more around like, making sure that no one can really access my credit report unless I you know, keep authorization. This is really around able to continue kind of monitor that, yeah. st that stuff. Yeah, so I, you know, I come to the uh, terms of like, you know, there's not much I can protect my data because, you know, my data is actually so widely available, right? Yeah. So, you know, instead of like worrying about that, you know, I basically figure out like, what is the way I can actually monitor whether or not, you know, my data is used in, in such a bad way that there is a negative harm to me. Yeah, so you're saying that instead of just being very reluctant of sharing your data, accept the fact that your data is already out yeah. there and at least you need to know where your data is being used. Yeah. That's an even better Right, because like, for example, right, so let's say if you were born today, right? You know, your fingerprints, your date of birth, your weight, as well as see, is actually available in the, the government database, right? And some of that government database is actually being shared with other people. And then when you go to school, you know, your parents have to fill out all that form, da 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 da, and all of that is being shared, right? Yeah. So even though you might not leak the data, somebody around you that has <laughs> your data from somewhere are, you know, sharing it. Okay, this is a classic question that was also discussed in the movie Social Dilemma. Yeah. You who have known all this and also been in the workplace in the, in the direct exposure do you think you would let your kids play around with social media and technology the answer is yes because i think it's uh, as part of their day-to-day -day life today or as part of the society there's not really a way of avoiding it yeah uh, you know i teach my kid of uh, you know what is one of the social media and technology what are something to watch out for I don't really ask them to shy away from it, but you know, I teach them about you know, the pro and the con of it, and then how they should really use it, right? Mm. Um, with my kid, you know, um, they're still too young; they're like six, right? Uh, so they're not really that into it yet. But I, you know, I would imagine you know, monitoring uh, some of those usage. But more and more, I want them to know how they can actually use social media as a tool, either in their communication, keeping in touch, or whatever, in a positive way versus in a negative way. Yeah, okay. Let's go a little bit macro. I mean, what do you think is the current landscape of the tech industry? Like, what would be your comments for someone who might want to try? I mean, now tech industry is like everybody's favorite. They want to work in Google, Amazon, all those good stuff. But do you think like they actually know what they're getting into? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think in general, when people think of like tech, they, you know, they think of the like um, Amazon, Google, Facebook of the world, right? But tech is a very broadly and loosely defined terms. Yeah. To give you a example, right? So if you look at Tesla today, right? So Tesla is actually in the uh, car automation, um, yeah. and it is also considered to be tech, right? Yeah. So you come to a point of like, what exactly is tech, right? Yeah. There's not really um, definition to that. Um, I think where people need to pay attention to is not necessarily, you know, I want to get into the tech, but it's more of what are the different elements or technology that's powering the, you know, the evolution of technology or that's powering how technology is actually coming into uh, our day-to-day -day world, right? Yeah. To kind of define 
what areas within technology in terms of the business model that you want to get into, right? So in the case in the case of PayPal, this is more about financial inclusion, right? In the case of Google, it's about like everyone being connected, right? But there is a common thing of all of the tech company, which is they usually look for people able to think creatively outside the box, able to be a team player and able to kind of connect with others. And then at the same time, you know, being flexible enough, being strategic, but also being very grounded. Especially in, in Asia where there is a DIY mentality, you want people to be grounded. So there is that common skill, you know, every company looks for. So focus on building those skills, then, you know, focus on shit. I want to get into Facebook or Google. Eventually, if you have the right skill, you will get yeah. you will get in. I agree with you because I think sooner or later, tech will just be integrated to whatever aspects of our life and businesses as well, right? So it doesn't really matter if you choose, let's say, agro industry now. Even the tech has infiltrated those areas, you know, all those automated farming yep. and stuff like that. So definitely, I agree with you to to focus on our core basic skills and then work on what kind of direction or niche we would like to explore to, right? But you know. Assuming your current position, right? I'm sure that you must have been involved in some employment for new talents in the tech industry. Do you want like to give some insights to maybe the listeners out there who are decided that okay, let's say Amazon or Google is the kind of tech industry I want to delve into? Yeah. What kind of specific skill sets that you are looking at? I mean. <laughs> Um, like what is the current uh, hot position that you really want to see in a, in a new candidate? Like, is it like maybe data engineering, programming, coding or? No, uh, Amazon hiring and Google hiring are very different. Mm-hmm. So Amazon go after certain leadership traits. Whereas Google, I would say, you know, we're a bit more balanced between cognitive ability, which is more of the mindset of the person, and then go into what we call whether or not the person has the relevant experience uh, to the job that they do, right? Mm-hmm. So there's not really a, like if you do A, B, C, and D, you'll get into Amazon or Google. There's not really that. And you know, speaking from personal experience of like when I uh, recruit people, you know, whether or not that's from Amazon or Google, or even within my own store, I look at the mindset of the person. I look at whether or not someone is coachable, it's trainable, you know, if I give hints, can that person pick it up and think further outside the box? versus being very, you know, this is my answer, this is my view, it's not going to change, right? Yeah. Because even, you know, you want someone that is able to be open to the ideas, uh, you know, even if they're wrong or even if they're right. You know, in terms of like, you know, role-related uh, experience, you know, there's always two components to that. There is the component whether or not you, you have experience that's directly relevant to the role. And then I also think there's also a piece about whether or not you, you have skill set that's transferable to the role. So I think that's yeah. something that's very important most people don't really um, pay attention to is what are the skill set that you can actually build today that can be transferable regardless of the position or the company that you're at or the position or the company you want to go to. Okay. Okay, let me rephrase my question then. Relative to, let's say, your department or maybe if you want to go a little bit bigger to your uh, section in the, in the company, what is the current problem Google is still facing? Like, I believe every company has their problems and if you can solve their problems, then they will definitely hire you, right? So from your standpoint, do you see any problem that you guys are still needing? So I would say, you know, what can we do better, right? Yeah. Uh, definitely, you know, I would say, uh, understand the customer better. So get closer to the customers. Okay. Um, it has been a big focus for us. 
It's something that you know my team really focus on in knowing their customer that they serve. We're not fully there yet, um, but it is a critical area for us to improve on. So do you achieve this through data or? It's mixed. I mean, like, so data can actually tell you a lot, mm-hmm. but also remember um, data can also be, be misleading, right? Of course. So you wanted to have, um, you know, what is data telling you, right? right? You have to separate the noise from the signals. So, you know, you look at what direction is the signal telling you. And then, you know, especially if you support customer or anything, customer like discovery call or customer uh, discussions is something that is extremely critical. It's not something that you can filter out even in the world that we live today, right? So when you talk to a customer, you will learn so much about their situations, you know, why they are the way they are today. That's something that the data cannot, will not tell you. So then this is where you combine the two, right? This sounds reassuring, so it means that no matter which stage we are at, we will never be able to solely rely on data or technology for that matter. So yeah. there's always a value for people who can, let's say, build face-to-face interaction or yeah. rapport between yeah. customers or whatnot. Exactly. Right? So remember like earlier, you know, I was talking about people's habit doesn't really change, right? Based on the ha- data, we can tell what are the habits, right? And then we can make relatively efficient, right? When people start deviating from models, this is when there's external factors. So those are external factors that data will not able to tell you. So this is where you know you have discussion with your customers, right? You have discussion with, with the people to understand what are those situations that data may not able to tell you today, right? Especially yeah. around human being, you know, people are a very emotional creatures. So emotion are driven by events that you know we may or may not be able to see in data, right? right. So, and that's something that you know when you talk to people, especially you know if you're in a sales world or you know any world that you promote or you know trying to get users, it's very important to know your users. And the only way to do that is actually through talking to them. And this is how we regain control over technology, right? That it means that we we succumb to the idea that. Okay, technology will definitely replace those jobs and blah blah blah. It means that you're not actually valuing the ability you have as a human to. Yeah, to, yeah. yeah I mean, technology is, is one element, right? So, uh, technology is one of the inputs, but it's not the sole input that you should be 100% reliant on. Cool, cool. I really love that. <laughs> so, okay, to wrap up this conversation, right? So you said something about how your team can be better, like mm-hmm. for the industry itself. Do you see any major trend of development that you're seeing or that you're foreseeing just as a general idea for those who, again, who are trying to start their career in this particular sector? Uh, I would say, you know, we're probably at a pivoting point for the next five or seven years of major shift uh, in terms of how commerce are being done today. Um, you know, a lot of preventing technologies coming up. So, you know, VR, AR is one. The immersion of 5G is the others. There are other AI technology that is actually um, up and coming. You know, we haven't really kind of passed that point where those technology are at a cost-effective way of deploying a mass. But, you know, I would say in the next five years or so, we will be at that point. And that will kind of re-transform how you know, either we interact with technology today or how the commerce are, are being done today. Um, yeah. So those will be, you know, something to pay uh, deeper into. You know, I would say, you know, one thing to be sure is regardless of how technology evolves, a lot of the uh, skill set are still relevant. So 
continue to uh, focus on building out uh, those skill set and all those skill set, you know, as well. You know, able to kind of dive deep into the uh, information, you know, able to um, being open and listen to other people's point and kind of connect the dots, right? Able to communicate effectively to you know your audience. You know, able to figure out a way of like turning through all the noises to understand what exactly is going on. So those elements are something that has always been around, you know, in human history, um, and that's not something that will change. Okay. Okay. That sounds. Promising. <laughs> okay, thank you very much, uh, Anthony, for your insights. I think you gave such a nice intro to the tech world, especially with your grounded, your own grounded experience uh, in this universe for the last couple of or tens of years. You also gave your remarks on the kind of career trajectory in the future. Do you want to give like any final remark before we close? Technology has always been. There's always a double-edged sword to you know technology or to probably everything we do, right? You know, and instead of being really kind of worried up of whether or not you know the current policy today or certain technology will be a hinder to life, focus on what you, uh, you know you guys do best and kind of find out where is that crossroad between you know what you want to do and what are some of the up and coming trends. You know that would be you know my advice to you know, the audience. Sure. Yeah, I mean this is an exciting year. I cannot wait until uh, you know I can shop online with the help of VR. You know, it's like I'm in a virtual shop and then I just take things <laughs> and then cash out virtually. That sounds fun. No, yeah, I mean exactly. I mean the other day I was uh, playing with shop, uh, not Shopify, uh, Spotify VR, and you know I put on this PS4 goggle and it looks like I'm in a library where. All of my album was like you know really? up, up, and I can actually handpick the album and start playing. They can so, really do that now. Yeah. Okay. So that's coming out in beta. So uh, yeah. Yeah. So we can expect that in like what two, three years, maximum five years. So it's really just yeah, it's just right at the yeah. corner. All right. Okay. Cool. I greatly enjoy our talk today. So thanks a lot again for coming. I'm pretty sure the listeners can get one or two takeaways out of this episode and benefited from your knowledge and stories. So yeah, thank you. Cool, thank you, thank <laughs> yeah. you, everyone. Yeah. So for the listeners, if you managed to listen to this far, I appreciate you guys listening. I hope this has been something that is enjoyable and at the very least also knowledgeable for you. Um, okay. So hope to see you next week. I hope you have a good day, have a good weekend, and an even better one ahead. Bye bye. Bye everyone. <laughs>